I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's molesting children by the Robert, devil? Robert, nope. Robert, 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 what? Robert. Is that a bad way to <laughs> open a show, Sophie? Well, nope. That's the only take I'm we get. I'm trying to keep oh you employed, God. my friend. Yeah. Well, I said it was the devil. I mean, no one likes the devil except for people who like the devil. But this is behind the bastards, a podcast that will very soon be canceled. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm Robert Evans, and uh, I'm back with with uh, uh, Jacob Hanrahan. Your full name isn't Jacob, Jacob. is it? Yeah, yeah I just called you Jacob. Well, that's what I'm calling you forever now, Jacob. All right, let's go. <laughs> just change um, people's names like that. Yeah, yeah I have that power. I'm no, a, you don't. I am legally a reverend doctor. Both reverends and doctors get to name things, Sophie. The yeah. state of New Jersey says so. Yeah, well, the state of New Jersey has no say in uh, uh, somebody who doesn't live in America. I think True the that. state of New Jersey's jurisdiction... <laughs> does in fact go across the Atlantic. It is a coastal city. So back to the satanic panic. Jake. Certainly, you're right. Uh, how are you doing? How are you holding up emotionally yeah. as we yeah, tear into this? this. My, uh, it's this so good. Perfect, yeah, let's go. yeah, it's the worst. So before we get into our main subject for the day, which is the McMartin preschool uh, trial, we're going to talk about some other wild-ass satanic panic bullshit that was kicking off in the late 70s. And it, this this involves a little game you might have played called Dungeons & Dragons. You ever played D&D, mm. Jake? No, but I've watched people play it. It looks yeah. really, really cool, actually. It I fucking watched, rules. Like, yeah. um, you know Warhammer? There's like a Warhammer. Yeah, yeah, I played that as a kid, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they were yeah. doing Dungeons & Dragons once, and I just went in and was like, wow, this is cool. 
cool, man. Yeah, it's a fucking great game. Great thing for kids. Yeah. Also really good for kids. Like, teaches you storytelling, teaches you... Like, a lot of... I learned a lot about how to do journalism well by just, like, the way that it, you put together stories and stuff, mm, what people mm. find interesting. It's a great game. Uh, a lot of people disagreed with that in the 1970s. So, in 1979, when the game was about five years old, a 16-year-old named James Dallas Egbert III vanished from the steam tunnels under his school, which is where he and his friends played what honestly sounds like a pretty righteous game of D&D. That sounds so cool. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds fucking cool as hell. Yeah, man. His family hired a private eye to track him down, and that guy publicly theorized that James's love of Dungeons and Dragons contributed to his disappearance. Uh, this was not true, but the press ran wild with it. And while James was eventually found, he committed suicide shortly thereafter. He was just a oh very like he, he, he chronically depressed kid, like a very mm. sad story. Mm. Nothing to do with D and D, which was probably one of the few bright spots in his life. Right. Exactly. Yeah, but obviously it was all blamed on the game. Uh, in 1981, the book Mazes and Monsters was published on the case, and it was just nonsense. It was followed shortly after by the 1982 film adaptation starring Tom Hanks, which <laughs> is a fucking... If you want to watch a terrible movie about how D&D is the devil... Oh, I There do. you go. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to love it. I'm writing it down right yeah, now. Yeah, Mazes yeah. and fucking Monsters. Yeah. So. The private detective who, detective who started all this published his own book, The Dungeon Master, where he clarified that D&D had nothing to do with James's disappearance or suicide, which he instead, again, blamed on chronic depression. But by that point, it was way too late. In 1982, mm. another kid named Irving Pulling committed suicide. Since he had played in a school-supervised D&D game, his mother Patricia sued the school and TSR, D&D's publisher, blaming them for her son's death because, quote, he had received a curse during a game session. Oh, <laughs> a real one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's it it is this like, you know, the kind of people who played D anD D in the nineteen fucking eighties were j- big old nerds, right? Nowadays, it's gotten to be more mainstream, but like, you're a pretty big nerd in the eighties if you're playing D anD D, and you're probably right, yeah. bullied to fucking back, right? You're probably getting the <laughs> yeah, shit kicked yeah. out of you every day, you know? It was always like when I watched old American films, it was yeah. always like the nerds would always be doing mm-hmm. like a version of D anD D. Yeah, so obviously, like, these kids who probably had a lot of shit that was tough in their lives, because it's fucking hard to be a kid, and harder still if you're a kid who gets the shit kicked out of them by bullies, um, Mm. killed themselves, and instead of looking into anything else, they're like, well, they played D&D, that must have been it. (laughs) Right, yeah, it's got to be that, not the horrible bullying. Mm. Patricia Pulling, Irving's mom, formed an advocacy group called Bothered About Dungeons and Dragons, or BAD, and dedicated to securing <laughs> government. Re- yeah, uh, it's, it's yeah. dedicated uh. to securing government regulation of role-playing games. A sentence that I ca- could not type without laughing and can't read without laughing. Like the government needs to regulate RPGs. <laughs> God, man. Uh. It's very funny. Um, and like the Christian right being what it is, you know, there was there were people in the country who both supported the regulation of RPGs, role playing games, and also thought civilians should be able to own rocket propelled grenades. The other kind of RPG, right? right? right. Like and, and also like <laughs> ran a scheme where like child molesters just had a bit of therapy. Like, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking <laughs> great. So pulling tried to sue TSR uh, over her son's death, but that didn't work because obviously there was nothing to any of her claims. So instead, she dedicated herself to pumping out propaganda claiming that D&D encouraged devil worship and suicide. Her pamphlets describe D&D as a fantasy role-playing game which uses demonology, witchcraft, voodoo, murder, rape, blasphemy, suicide, assassination, insanity, sex perversion, homosexuality, prostitution, satanic-type rituals, gambling, barbarism, cannibalism, sadism, desecration, demon summoning, necromantics, divination, and other teachings. (laughs) 
Wow. Okay. Well, it sounds like a cool, get cooler game than it was actually. Yeah. Saying, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah it, it, one of the things that's weird about this to me is like the guy I played D and D with when I was a kid was like a fucking young earth cre- creationist. It was a great dungeon master and also believed yeah, the world yeah. was 6,000 years old. Um, cool. So not every Christian had this attitude about D&D, but it was real common on the Christian right for a while. I actually found the cover mm. art for one of the books that Bad put out, and it's pretty fucking wild. The jacket quote, which is purportedly from some young fan of D&D, was, the more I play D&D, the more I want to get away from the world. And, you know, you might argue that this says more about the world that these kids were growing up in during the 1980s than Dungeons & Dragons. Right, it's like <laughs> yeah. great escapism for them. Yeah. Like, so what? Yeah, your life sucks. You're a kid. Pretend to be something that's not a kid right. who gets bullied all the time, right? Yeah, that's, of course you're going to want to prefer one. that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the book promises witchcraft, suicide, and violence inside and is marketed towards educators, librarians, pastors, police, and parents. And despite being wrong about everything, Patricia was terrifyingly influential in both Christian media and among law enforcement. Her books on Dungeons and Dragons were so popular with evangelical pastors in the U.S. and in Australia, where she played a role uh, in propaganda distributed by the Australian Federation of Decency, which is, I guess, a thing. Mm. And you know with a name like Federation of Decency that you're the yeah. worst people in the country, right? <laughs> like, Basically, like, yeah. yeah, like anything we don't like is devil. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So Patricia Pulling eventually got a PI's license and became a consultant for law enforcement on a number of cases, uh, all of which the police lost. What? But yeah, yeah. She advised oh police God. officers to open interrogations of teenagers with the question, have you read the Necronomicon or are you familiar with it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Fictional. Yeah, yeah it's all fucking right. great. <laughs> she thought like H.P. Lovecraft was a professor or something. Yeah. Like, it, it's what she did, someone after... Decades after Lovecraft's death, published a book called The Necronomicon to kind of cash in on the fact that number right. one, yeah, well, it wasn't even yeah. a real book, right? It wasn't even a real book. No, it was like <laughs> the yeah. best thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So at uh, one point, she told the news a newspaper reporter that eight percent of Richmond, Virginia, was Satanist, a figure she'd arrived at by calculating that four percent of teens and four percent of adults were devil worshippers. And the reporter pointed out, like, well, that's actually just four percent of the population. If it's it's four percent <laughs> of teens and four percent of adults, that's four percent right, of right. people. And she told yeah. him that it didn't matter that her math was wrong because her numbers were conservative. <laughs> just amazing. That kind of attitude hasn't changed actually no, within no. Like a lot of like right-wing circles. You know? it no. It doesn't matter. Like We know what we mean. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I feel that it's true. So like the fact exactly. that factually <laughs> yeah. I'm just making shit up is fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the fact that Patricia Poling was clearly incompetent and wrong about everything and was still treated as a recognized expert by law enforcement for years should key you in on a couple of things. One, cops generally aren't very good at their job. And two, in the 1980s, it was very easy to become an expert on Satanism as long as you were good at scaring suburban moms and cops. So all of this brings me to the centerpiece of our story today, the McMartin preschool trial. Now, this is still, again, the longest and most expensive trial in U.S. history, and I would contend it's also the very, very dumbest. It started thanks to a young mother in distress named Judy Johnson, and her story is about as heartbreaking as it gets. Um, She's kind of the villain of this story, but, like, it's fuck. She's a bad situation, this lady. She'd gotten into a bad marriage, and she and her husband only stuck together because they had a kid, and then that 
child, their first child, got diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor at age eight, mm. which would like mm. just destroy any parent, right? right. Like that's yeah. just going to ruin yeah, yeah. you no matter who you are. And she was mm. not a super stable person before this happened. Um, doctors were not able to help him. And so she developed an irrational but understandable hatred of doctors and medicine, right? Like it's not fair, but also like your kids, you're going to have so much anger over this that you're going to blame right. somebody, right? Like You, you can't, can't expect someone to be rational in that circumstance. No, no. Like no one would. No one would. Uh, and like a lot of people in the situation, Judy sought refuge in religion. She carried a Bible with her everywhere and was a very, very hardcore fundamentalist and generally the kind of fundamentalist you would expect to be worried about Satanism. Now, you combine that with the fact that she was kind of out of her mind with grief over a dying child and the fact that her relationship with her husband imploded, and you probably won't be entirely surprised at what she does next, especially since it later came out she had a series of schizophrenic breaks. So it also turns uh-huh. out she's schizophrenic. Like, it's a horrible like she she's the villain in that she's responsible for the evil of this story. You can't she's not morally responsible for any of her actions. Right. I like as she fucked up as they are. Bad hand, right, yeah. Before. Like it's mm. yeah. I, I she had a very bad hand and as a result she creates as a result of that and this cultural panic over Satanism and all of these different legal structures that have been set up in our society, she's able to do tremendous harm. And it's just Mm -hmm. a horrible fucking story. (laughs) Um, So Judy had another child, Matthew. um, And he was like two years old, I think, when they moved. She and her husband moved to Southern California. um, And they moved to Manhattan Beach, which is like a very nice part of Southern California. It's basically Santa Monica. It's like right on the coast. It's a fucking beautiful part of Mm. the world. There's no parking, Um, though. There's no parking. But there was back then. (laughs) Um, it was a, a paradise filled with places for people to put cars in those days. Uh, and it had a preschool called the McMartin preschool, which was considered the very best preschool in Manhattan beach. Um, and like, so as the very nice preschool in Manhattan beach, every parent wanted their kids in there. Um, and so Judy wanted her son, Matthew to be there. Unfortunately, Judy was a bit of a mess and she failed to enroll him before the school was full for that session. Instead of finding another school, she dropped her two year old child off, uh, off outside the school with a note in his backpack that said like, you have to take him basically. Like here's his name. Like, just like deal with just it. Drop yeah. him there. Yeah, okay. again, she's not making very rational yeah. decisions here because she's profoundly ill. Um, right. McMartin Preschool was founded by Virginia McMartin, who was in, I think, her 60s at this point. Uh, and Virginia was like, I don't think it's a great idea to allow this kid here that his mom has basically trying to force him on the school. Seems kind of fucked up. But Virginia's mm-hmm. daughter, Peggy, was more sympathetic and assumed that a mom who would do something like this was would had to be going through some shit and that they should help her out because these are very nice people. Um, so they take Matthew in and he attends class for a few months and this proved to be a horrible mistake because by this point, Judy was not just out of her mind with grief, she was also a hardcore alcoholic and having schizophrenic episodes. Mm-hmm. So Pretty bad situation, Jake. <laughs> right. All, yeah. all the red flag. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to quote again from that book, Satan's Silence. That summer, Judy Johnson became preoccupied with the condition of her younger son's anus. In June, she would later tell the Ooh. authorities Matthew complained that it hurt when he made a bowel movement. In July, she took him to a nearby hospital emergency room where she told the doctor that her son's anus was itchy and that she thought she had given him her va- vaginal infection. The doctor did not examine Ooh. Matthew, but he did treat Judy for vaginitis. A few weeks later, Judy mentioned to her brother that Matthew's anus was inflamed. She began making frequent inspections of her son's rectal area. So a few things are going on here. One is that, again, not a great, not a very healthy household. This kid has bad hygiene, right? Um, Also, his mom is now daily poking and prodding his rectum in order to check it. And that irritates it. 
and she becomes convinced that the irritation that she is causing is the is the result of sexual abuse. And she grows convinced that this is because Matthew's teacher, a guy named Ray Bucky, had sodomized her child repeatedly over the course of the summer. Now, this is untrue. And one of the reasons it's definitely untrue is that, number one, two-year-olds are very rarely sexually assaulted. Number two, when grown men penetrate two-year-old children with their penises, it either kills or severely injures the child. Right, it causes yeah, yeah, horrible right. injury, right? Like a it's a terrible, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like something you would miss. Exactly. And it's not like yeah. it would be, it would not be something you had to inspect for. Like the kid would probably sure. need to go to a fucking hospital. Um, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So again, her allegations are untrue, but Ray was kind of a weird dude. He'd spent most of his young adulthood as a California beach bum with kind of a well-off family. He smoked a lot of pot. Um, he did this thing that California surfer dudes did where he didn't wear underwear underneath his board shorts. So like he had people, one of the things people knew about Ray is that sometimes he would sit down and he'd see his balls. Like it was like a thing. <laughs> <laughs> not again he's not doing anything like bad like the, yeah. the most you could say is like hey dude maybe you should be wearing underwear because like people are <laughs> yeah. seeing your balls all the time <laughs> but, yeah, just but like nothing guy. bad just kind of right, a weird right. dude none of sure. the children he taught ever had any complaints about him he seems to have been a pretty unproblematic teacher I've, I've never run across any evidence that he actually did anything bad ever um mm. but it he was a weird guy and it was also weird in 1983 for a young man to teach preschool that was a woman's job, right? This is still an area uh, like okay, like weird yeah, cultural thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just as certain people were suspicious of working mothers in this period of time and thought that like that was contributing to the breakdown of the family, a lot of folks were suspicious of young men in childcare and assumed that they must have some ulterior motive. Um, and Judy Johnson was one of these people. And her suspicion of male teachers meshed with her hatred of doctors brought on by the tragic circumstances of her oldest son to produce, again, all of these are like perfect storm things, right? Like, that's the thing mm, about all this mm. shit. Like, it doesn't just erupt out of nowhere. So I'm going to read another fucking horrible quote. Lately, she had noticed how Matthew would run around pretending that he was giving people shots. As the popularity of toy doctor kits testifies, this behavior is common for small children. And although Judy and although Judy hated medical professionals, Matthew had been exposed to them regularly that summer since his brother was getting hospital treatment for his tumor. Yet Judy Johnson believed that Matthew had no idea what an injection was. So she asked him if Ray Bucky had given him shots. Again, he said no, but she pressed. Finally, after repeated questioning, he told his mother that Ray took his temperature. Judy concluded that the thermometer must have been Bucky's penis. Oh, my God. Yeah. See, when you said shots, I was just picturing, like, a kid running around filling up, like, little shot glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, like, he's a funny kid. Like, but no. I, now I realize you mean yeah, injections. No, no, syringes, yeah. yeah. Okay. Which is, again, like, I think every kid probably has a period where they play doctor and shit. Like, it's an right. incredibly common it. thing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. She becomes convinced. And, again, when she first starts asking her kid, did, did Ray molest you? He says no. And that's the case with all of these satanic child abuse cases. The kids are always saying, like, nothing happens at first, which is, again, mm. when we talk about, like, believing victims, part of the problem is that people didn't, and they pushed the victims repeatedly to, be, like, yeah, it's it's very bad. Yeah. <laughs> so Judy calls the cops, uh, and she took her son to the hospital, and, of course, the doctor listened to her story and examined her boy. Um, and, again, the doctor is like, hey, when adult men sodomize two-year-olds, it re results in horrific damage. Uh, yep. And a summer worth of anal rape would be immediately apparent in a boy this young. And the doctor saw no evidence of that. All he saw was evidence that Matthew's rectum was irritated in a way you'd expect if his mom was constantly poking it. Uh, the doctor was like, 
your kid seems okay, and he sent Judy away. This made her angry, and again, she fucking hates doctors, and she kept, and so she kept, like, she started going to the police next, and through a mix of coaching her son to talk about a stranger's penis and speaking for her kid in police interviews, which, remember, they take the mom's testimony about what the kid said as direct testimony from the kid— Judy is able to convince the cops that her son had been abused. She and the cops shopped around for doctors until they found an intern at UCLA who had never diagnosed sex abuse cases before. This intern sees Matthew's rectum and is like, oh, yeah, something must have happened here. And again, he doesn't really know what he's doing because he's not good at this kind of thing. They're, they're so yeah. fucked up, though. Like, the police were like, yeah, let's find someone to make the story true. Like, mm-hmm. so crazy. Huh? You know, cops. <laughs> I know. And yeah, no, I know it happens a lot, but it's yeah. just... It's just yeah. horrible. Like. It's all so yeah. bad. It's all really yeah. bad. It's so fucking terrible. So the long and the short of this is the police open an investigation into Ray Bucky. And as soon as the word got out, people start telling stories about Ray. Not real ones, because again, he'd never done anything. But the kinds of stories people tell whenever someone a little weird gets t- accused of doing something terrible. A week later, the police exacerbated this, as cops are wont to do, by sending out a mass telephone request asking if any other parents had been abused. And like the mass telephone request also has like, hey, please don't tell anyone that we called you about this. But of course, everyone starts talking about it. It winds up in the news. And it starts spreading. And now what you have all these parents going to their kids and being like, were you molested? So Judy Johnson also keeps adding new stories on about her son's abuse, claiming that Ray had forced him to wear a bra because one time her son had walked in on her dressing and said, Matthew, wear bra. Again, kid sees his mom wearing a bra, doesn't really understand things. And is like, oh, I want to wear a bra. She interprets this as like he's been forced to wear a bra by his teacher. And also, yeah, the day after this, she told police... Uh, So she tells police this, and then the day after this, she starts claiming, based on the strength of vague comments by a two-year-old, that Matthew had been tied up with a rope by Ray. So again, the story keeps expanding. It gets more and more elaborate. And again, the very concept of investigating child sex trauma was new at this point. And the cops basically handed over responsibility to this case to the few folks on their team who had any training in this. And those people had been trained to believe that children never lie or make accusations based in fantasy. Again, that's the training too, in addition to uh, Michelle remembers and shit. So the cops keep pressing the parents to ask if their kids had experienced anything. And the parents, being people, start to get excited about all the rumors flying around town. Some of them start to talk to their kids, and after badgering their kids repeatedly, those kids report what they think their parents want to hear. Ray had taken weird pictures of them. You know, that sort of stuff starts coming Mm. out. Now, the cops had searched Ray's home and found no photos, uh, but whatever. Like, it didn't matter that there was no evidence. The accusations were out there. Oh, poor guy. Like, it must have been so bad. Oh, it gets so worse. His life is just shattered by it. It's Uh, fucked. It's completely fucked. Satan's silence goes on to note that as this process went on, quote, other children embellished their stories within days. Tanya Mergili had talked about being sodomized, and some of her classmates said Ray had penetrated both of their rectums and made them fillet him. They also named additional children as victims, but when questioned, this new group denied anything had happened. The police and many parents did not believe the denials. They assumed that the children were keeping quiet about the abuse, and they searched for telltale signs. One woman said she noticed that her five-year-old daughter was overly interested in her mother's genitals, and she vowed to question them 
her further. Donna Mergilli remembered that since the beginning of the year, Tanya had been plagued with vaginal infections. Until now, Donna and Tanya's doctors had attributed the problem to poor hygiene, possibly due to the fact that Tanya had been masturbating regularly since shortly after the birth of her baby brother. Now Tanya's vaginitis seemed to have a more sinister origin. Police detectives urged parents to take their children to UCLA for team evaluations. These goings-on were openly discussed in Manhattan beaches, markets, and churches in its oceanfront promenade. So again... This all just goes viral, you know? Mm. And these kids who all deny it at first start being pushed into recalling abuse. By the end of September 1983, many of the children who'd at first denied any abuse at all suddenly started coming up with elaborate stories about what they'd suffered. Satan's silence goes into very good detail over all this, but to be honest, it is some of the darkest shit I've ever read. For some reason, detailed stories of children being convinced they were raped by an innocent man is actually way more disturbing to me than stories of actual child abuse. It's just, it's so fucked. All of this stuff. For example, for an example of how this shit went down, a popular nursery rhyme at the time was, what you say is what you are, you're a naked movie star. It's just like some nonsense kids would say, right? Yeah. There's a bunch of shit like that. We, we, all we used to say, it, dip dog shit. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. It's just it's shit kids say. Most yeah. people would recognize this as that, but all of the adults in Manhattan Beach were by this point fully off of their goddamn rockers. And the fucking police detectives had decided that children who recalled playing this game were providing evidence that they'd be sexually traumatized by Ray Bucky because the naked movie star game, they called it. Like it, it just like it fucking making horrible shit out of absolutely nothing. Mm. So... As this all expands, these kids get sent to a social worker named Key McFarlane. Uh, and Key McFarlane, for an example of her background, she she's very involved in like the the child protection movement. All of the stuff we talked about last episode, she's involved in like this kind of growing movement to try to like do group therapy sessions. When I told you about someone who was like, "Oh, I like these group therapy sessions because they're like like public like self criticism sessions that like leftist political groups do." That's Key McFarlane. So she's. Mm. That kind of person going into this. Um, And again, I think her motivation was good, but she is another person who does horrific damage. And her main innovation was that she had developed a series of anatomically correct dolls little kids could use to describe their abuse. Now, this could be a useful development for kids who'd been abused and were too young to verbalize it. But the problem is that Key used her dolls to make kids feel like they were in playtime. And then she would tell stories about the abuse she thought they'd suffered. And little kids being little kids would start talking about this thing, right? Because they think they're in playtime and shit. Do do you know, um, sorry to butt in, but one of the most ironic things here to me is that the actual child abuse in this case, at least, was from all the people trying to prove Mm -hmm. the child abuse, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're abusing these kids by planting this stuff on them and putting them through this. Yeah, fucking them up probably for life. Like, you can't go through this and, like, be repeatedly interrogated about the rape that, like, God damn it, it's so bad. Uh, It's nasty. But you know what's not nasty, Jake? Adverts. Yeah, the products and services that support this (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Yeah. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. 
The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from The Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. Uh, those ads were a lot better than manipulating children into believing they were the victims of massive sexual abuse. Robert. That's what I say about what, Sophie? Robert. That counts as a nice thing I said about the products. <laughs> Robert. Okay, well. Uh, Will Robert still have a job by the end of this recording? <laughs> <laughs> oh so, yeah, so Key McFarlane. We're talking, we're talking KM, K-McPhee. So she, she, she has these dolls, and she... <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you a quote to talk about like how she uses these dolls from a write up by the University of Missouri Kansas School of Law that's kind of analyzing this case. Um, so here's. Yeah, how this all goes. Parents were encouraged to send their children to CII, which is the place she worked at, for two-hour interviews. McFarland pressed 400 children through a series of leading questions and the offer of rewards to report instances of abuse at McMartin. Children generally denied seeing any evidence of abuse at first, but eventually many gave McFarland the story she clearly wanted to hear. After the interviews, McFarland told parents that their children had been abused and described the nature of the alleged abuse. By March 1984, 384 former McMartin students had been diagnosed as sexually abused 384 by the one guy yeah well no we're getting into that this starts to expand massively so in addition to interviews 150 children received medical examination uh dr astrid hager uh who was one of mcfarland's colleagues concluded that 80 percent of the children she examined had been molested for the most part she based her findings not on physical evidence but on medical histories and her belief that any conclusion should validate the child's history which is not how you do science, you know? <laughs> no, yeah, nope. Not, not very not, scientific. Not good medicine. So to make it clear just how coercive McFarland's methods were, I want to read a passage about her interrogation of a little girl named Tanya. Long after most McMartin kids had been pushed into inventing lurid stories of abuse, Tanya held her ground that uh, her teachers had done nothing wrong. But Tanya's mother eventually broke down in the face of all the other parents who'd grown convinced that their kids had been abused, and she sent Tanya to Key McFarland. Key McFarland's technique with Tanya was much more refined. Before asking the child anything about sex abuse, McFarland spent several minutes engaging her in fantasy play. Oh, Froggy, McFarland squeaked as she and Tanya manipulated a frog puppet in a toy doctor kit. I think you have a little temperature here. The two played with a banana puppet, Big Bird, Mr. Doggy, Mr. Dragon, Cookie Monster, Bugs Bunny, Mr. Alligator, Pac-Man, and Mr. Snake. Not until Tanya was deeply absorbed in the world of pretend did McFarland present her with a collection of very special dollies in this little bag. They look like real people under Underneath. We can take off their clothes. Tanya then identified the dolls Wee Wee's, Chi Chi's, which is what she called breasts, Butts, Weenie, and the Nagas Hole, or Vagina. McFarland proceeded to ask Tanya if she had ever seen a man's weenie. Her daddy's, Tanya answered. McFarland was not satisfied. How about someone else? I don't know who else. Another man. Still, Tanya existed, uh, insisted she had only seen her father's. Well, I know some secrets, said McFarland, and I know that you know them too. You know what? I know some secrets about your old school. When Tanya still didn't respond, McFarland added that she had seen the little girl's friends from McMartin's, and they told her all the bad secrets. We can have a good time with the dolls, McFarland coaxed, and you know, we can talk about some of those bad secrets if you want to, and then they could go away. Wouldn't that be a good idea? Urging puppets on Tanya, she again asked if she knew bad secrets. Uh Uh-uh, Tanya shook her head. Then maybe she could figure them out, McFarland said. She showed off her secret machine and assured Tanya that she would feel better if she told it bad things about Ray. I hate those secrets, Tanya finally said, addressing a bird puppet on McFarland's hand. Ray Ray did bad things, and I don't even like it. So you see what happens here. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking, though, like that poor kid Tanya, right? What a like strong-minded child was just absolutely not. Like, mm-hmm. literally just pushed to the point of, like, mm-hmm. admitting something that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, despite all that. Yeah, and again, like, it, it really highs. The problem here is not that, like, you shouldn't believe children when they report abuse. It's that you shouldn't badger children who insist they haven't been abused into recalling right, abuse. Yes. Right, it's, it's Yeah. Th- there's part of me that's like, right, I get it. If if any parent heard anything like that, you'd be like, yeah. oh, my oh, Jesus fuck, Christ, yeah, of happened. course, yeah. But this is beyond that. This is, like, yeah. literally that woman planting these ideas. yeah. It's so oh, bad. Yeah. yeah. 
And I don't like, I think McFarlane, McFarlane like had a long history of working with abused kids. Like before anyone, before people even really believed that it happened, she was doing that work. And it, she came from a good place, but she goes fully. I mean, like what she's doing is evil here. Like, yeah, yeah, this it's is fucking like, jump, the, yeah. jump the shark. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, the McMartin case didn't start off as a satanic ritual affair. You'll notice, like, we haven't been talking about, like, the devil in this case yet, right? But you have to remember that stories about other such cases, like the ones we discussed last episode in Kern County, were all over the news. And Kern County was only, like, two hours away from McMartin. Both parents and students were hearing all this shit on TV, and the kids are hearing this shit on TV. And as these kids are getting interrogated and asked to give more information, they start to make up shit based on the stuff they're hearing on fucking television, right? Mm. <laughs> and also based on the stuff they're being told by their parents. And this starts with Matthew Johnson, who, again, his mom is the the very, very sad story lady, um, who mm. is very Christian and believes in all this stuff. And she starts, she starts pushing her son to tell stories of not just being molested by Ray, uh, but by being of being molested by McMartin teacher Betty Rader, who was 64 years old at the point. Uh, and the more Matthew said, the more his mom praised him. And she started to suspect that the McMartin school had been the center of a vast network of pedophile Satanists. Because again, she's profoundly ill and an alcoholic. By January 1984, Matt was telling stories of being molested at a ranch. And I'm going to read one of the transcriptions Judy made of her son's stories. And keep in mind, parents could enter statements they coaxed out of their kids into the legal record, and authorities treated this as a direct statement from the child, because kids and kids are also, you know, incapable of making things up. So this is the statement she coaxes out of her son, or at least says that she coaxes out of her son. Who knows how, how much he, he fucking said. Mm. Matthew feels that he left LA International in an airplane and flew to Palm Springs. Matthew went to the armory. The goat man was there. It was a ritual type atmosphere. At the church, Peggy drilled the child under the ar- uh, under the arms, armpits. Peggy's one of the teachers. Under the arms and armpits. Atmosphere was that of magic arts. Ray flew in the air. Peggy, Babs, and Betty were all dressed up as witches. The person who had buried Ma- who buried Matthew, she said he had been buried, is Miss Betty. There were no holes in the coffin. Babs went on him with the tr- went with him on a train and an older girl where he was hurt by men in suits. Ray waved goodbye. Petty gave Matthew an enema. Staples were put in Matthew's ears, his nipples, and his tongue. Babs put scissors in his eyes. She chopped up animals. Matthew was hurt by a lion. An elephant played. A goat climbed up higher and higher, and then a bad man threw it down the stairs. Lots of candles were there. They were all black. Ray pricked his right pointer finger, put it in the goat's anus. Old grandma played the piano. A baby's head was chopped off, and the brains were burned. Peggy had a scissors in the church, and she cut Matthew's hair. Matthew had to drink the baby's blood ray wanted matthew's spit you see what this is like this is a kid it's nonsense like they're fucking elephants in it like right but, but, but surely the police would have looked at him like well there's no wounds nope <laughs> 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 no nope. and why did she let him go on a plane with strangers if she was already worried about no he this? didn't she he, none of this happened i know yeah like, but right. yeah yeah like, it's just, she, it makes no sense she claimed that this was like while he was at school for eight hours they took him <laughs> on a plane to palm springs and like there were oh. goat men <laughs> Like, it's all, it's yeah, clearly like right. a kid being coaxed into coming up with fantasies, and they sound like a child's fantasies. This isn't what happens in sex abuse cases. There are very rarely like elephants. It, it, <laughs> it sounds like her fantasies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not fantasy, but it's clearly some shit she's mm-hmm. made up. Like, I can't yeah. believe that the police ever took that serious. Yep. They super do. Wow. <laughs> Once the news broke that Satanists were behind the purported abuse at McMartin, other kids came forward with an avalanche of stories of devil worship, child sacrifice, etc. Kids talked about watching babies get murdered and all sorts of wild shit. And one of the things that they would claim in this period, because this happens all over the Satanic Panic, is there's claims people will claim... I sacrificed babies or I saw babies sacrificed, like all of this shit. And the people would ask like, well, but there's no 
Nobody was murdered. Like, there's no reports uh. of dead people. So they developed this whole theory that Satanists had a tactic of having children at home and not getting them birth certificates so that they could have babies to sacrifice that the state didn't know about. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, it's... <laughs> It's some like QAnon-y shit, yeah. You had a yeah. QAnon, the, the, yeah. m- like the most insane theory is that there's a video of Hillary cutting a baby's face off and wearing it. And it's like, none of them have seen it, but they're like, oh, yeah. we know it's there. It's it like, has to be there. Yeah. Do you know it's there? Like, yeah. I don't think you do. Because <laughs> like, that there. would be like the only thing the news talked about for like a year if it happened. Right, if like anyone it would be, thought yeah, that was real, yeah, the FBI. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I don't know. Someone would be on it, you know. Yeah, someone would be on it, and it would be like the top topic of discussion nationwide. <laughs> like, the world. Yeah, <laughs> no. like, 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 look uh, at how much people discussed when Hillary Clinton fell down that one time. Right, <laughs> right? like right. if she was it's killing like, babies, it would be huge. Right, hundreds of thousands uh, yeah. of people know the video exists, yeah. but we're all it, dumb because we don't believe. Yeah, it. it's amazing. So yeah, it's all yeah again. There's no evidence of any of this stuff. There's no evidence of any babies getting killed. There's no evidence of any plane trips to Palm Beach. But also authorities, the cops and the parents, believed every word of this because at this point, complete mania had overtaken Manhattan Beach. Like, everyone is out of their goddamn minds at this point. Mm. And some Mm. of it's understandable. Like, their parents who legitimately think that there's a child rape epidemic at their school that their kids were involved in. Like, nobody's thinking anymore in manhattan beach <laughs> right right yeah yeah, I yeah. Did, did the whole thing as well though is like i think the police uh, oh yeah on so many levels but like the police kind of abusing the fears of parents absolutely like, in just yeah. an incredible scale it's, it's horrible yeah. i'm going to quote again from the university of missouri kansas's right up here judy johnson's reports of misbehavior at the mcmartin school preschool became increasingly bizarre she claimed that peggy bucky ray's mother was involved in satanic practices she was said to have taken johnson's son to a church where the boy was made to watch a baby being beheaded and then forced to drink the blood she insisted that ray bucky had sodomized her son while his head was in the toilet and had taken him to a car wash and locked him in the trunk johnson told police that ray pranced around the preschool in a cape and a santa claus costume and that other teachers at the school chopped up rabbits and placed some sort of star on her son's bottom. Eventually, most prosecutors would come to recognize Johnson's allegations as the delusions of a paranoid schizophrenic, but the snowball of suspicion had been started rolling. Chief Kuhlmeyer's letter led to new, which is the letter he like sent out to parents, led to new accusations and demands from parents for a full-scale investigation of doings at the McMartin Preschool. Bowing to this presser, pressure, the district attorney's office handed a major portion of the continuing investigation over to Key McFarlane. So... Oh, no. Yeah. Really? Yeah. The frog puppet. The oh, frog puppet lady. Yeah. Oh, it's no. so fucked up. Oh, my God. Like the worst person. Mm-hmm. You could be like, yeah, give it, give it to them. Yeah, give, yeah, give it to her. Oh, Let no. her investigate the preschool, the person whose job is absolutely not to investigate, like, massive <laughs> yeah, criminal conspiracies. Like, yeah. 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 Oh, no. Again, no physical evidence was ever uncovered of any sort of abuse or anything else illegal. The closest thing they had to evidence was that softcore porn mags were found in Ray Bucky's home. Which, like, yeah. Well, like, what? Well, like <laughs> yeah, a young yeah. guy. Yeah. It's like the most like, normal thing that he's yeah, done. Yeah, they're right? like playboys. Like, it's not even anything that's like you could say is like super raunchy, right? Like, right, right. <laughs> yeah. None of this stopped the case from going forward. On March 22nd, 1984, a grand jury indicted Ray Bucky, Peggy Bucky, Peggy Ann Bucky, Virginia McMartin, and three other McMartin teachers. These seven people were initially indicted on 115 counts of child sexual abuse. Two months later, they were indicted on another 93 counts. The case had become a political issue for the DA, Robert Philobosian. 
who was facing re-election and thought that putting away some Satanists would help his chances. Now, most of the McMartin Seven were held with outrageous bails. Ray Bucky was held without bail, and he spends five years in jail as a result. In jail as a child molester, which like uh, just right. he fucking must have got yeah. his yeah yeah, yeah. I mean it's right. it he they just destroy this man. Yeah. Now, as the case proceeded, all of the McMartin Seven had their homes searched. Nothing was found. By this point, children were telling stories about secret tunnels under the school and being forced to bury ritually murdered babies. And of course, since the cops aren't finding anything, a lot of the McMartin parents decide, like, well, the cops have to be in on it because they're not finding any of the evidence that's oh, got to be there. So the God. parents take it upon themselves to investigate. Right? So we get, mm, we finally get the fuck. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, in March of 1985, as the case wore on, 50 McMartin parents showed up at a lot next to the school and started digging to try to find the, the, the caves under the school. And Wait, literally digging? Literally digging, yeah. <laughs> and oh boy. the DA, who again wants to get reelected, hires an archaeological firm to help them. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <sighs> and they're all certain it's that they're digging. It just keeps going. Yeah, it's just, it keeps getting worse, yeah. It's also just bizarre to like have people who's like like people have job titles and training for a reason. Mm-hmm. No, they don't. Fuck it. It's the parents <laughs> yeah. who are going to figure this out. So <laughs> it's like Scooby Doo. Yeah. So Fuck. yeah, everyone's certain that they're going to dig, find mass graves and caves underneath the school, filled with like, oh, that's where the evidence has got to be. Is the caves under the school? They don't find anything. Because there's nothing there. Because right. no right. one at the McMartin school had been <laughs> molesting kids, you know? Yeah. Um, so the actual court case, thankfully, there is a period here where some rationality enters into it. Because the actual right. court case against the McMartin 7 runs into immediate problems over the fact that there is no evidence that anyone's actually been harmed in any way, shape, or form. Um yeah. But this is five years into a jail sentence for this guy, right? Well, no, not not yet. This is like through, oh, like, sorry. well, I mean, okay. the, the, the trial takes actually 28 months, just the trial. And of course, there's years before this where all of this is building. Sure. Yeah, he spends five years in jail. Um, so, again, there's no evidence at any point, and that's the the actual court case runs into the massive problem of the complete lack of evidence. But all of these people had already been convicted in the court of public opinion. And in fact, the DA announced, quote, the primary purpose of the McMartin preschool was to solicit young children to commit lewd conduct with the proprietors of the school and also to procure young children for pornographic purposes. His assistant announced that millions of child porn films of the victims existed. The media dutifully reported on all of this, even though, again, no evidence of this had ever been found. <laughs> Millions as well. Yeah. You said millions. 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 Wow. And yeah. not one was found. Not not ever. Not nothing. That was his ever. assistant. His assistant <laughs> yeah. was toting some weird stat. And again, part of this is the problem that you is starting to get better in American media, but it's still pretty bad. Where the police say something and journalists don't investigate it. They say, "Oh, yeah, the police yeah. said this. This has to be the truth. Let's report on what the police said." And it's like, "Well, no, they right, lie all the yeah. time." Yeah. Well, it's, They're it's constantly the same full with, of like, shit. Yeah. Right, and you get like any kind of bit, like the UN might say something or NATO or the yeah, police. Exactly. And if you say anything yeah. against it, people are like, oh, here we go, conspiracy. Yeah. Like, no, it's your no. job to like question <laughs> people in power. Yeah, that's journalism. And also right. all of these groups have lied on a number of occasions. Let me list <laughs> them. Like, it's not times. a conspiracy yeah. to say that people in yeah. power lie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Jesus. It's like uh, a requirement. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> what the, it's what you do if you have power is you lie about <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, 
So People Magazine called McMartin California's Nightmare Nursery. Time published an article with the one-word title, Brutalized. Like, media Um. goes whole hog on this shit. Not all of them, because again, okay, so the the authors of Satan's Silence, which I've been quoting from, are journalists during this period. And they're some of, like, the only people seemingly in the country who are like, this is nonsense. Like all of right. this is nonsense. What is wrong with you people? And they, they, they like their book is published like right around the time that all of this, like all these cases start to fall apart. Like Satan's silence is from that time. And that's part of why it's such a good, um, I mean, it also is where I got all the background of like what set this up. I can't say enough about what sure. a good book it is. If you want to understand. Right. They did their job. This, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very good journalists. Um, yeah. It's a good book. Um, so, yeah, all these lies about the McMartin teachers led to a lynch mob mentality within the community of Manhattan Beach. Peggy Bucky was stabbed in the crotch by a random man while she was out Jesus on the street. Christ. The school was lit oh. on fire and spray painted with graffiti that said, Ray must die. Several parents oh. went so far as to solicit the services of a hitman to bomb Peggy's car. <laughs> like. <laughs> wow. it fucking Boy, is off the rails it never stops getting out <laughs> no, of control no it never like too far. yeah uh. they they just like the first episode we're basically talking about people filling a car up with gas and then they just put a brick on the brakes there's no one at the wheel it just yeah. goes fucking careening yeah. into the city yeah it's fucking it's so bad <laughs> it's like what a it's good ki- tale to tell though like this is yeah. like jokes aside it's such a cautionary yeah. tale right it's it's so important that people yeah. know about this yeah. exactly it's horrific as it um, is yeah yeah so yeah i'm gonna quote again from satan's silence about like how out of control shit gets in manhattan beach The fact that the accused were behind bars did not calm the frenzy running through the South Bay as parents and authorities pursued Judy Johnson's claims and became convinced that the McMartin staff was only one arc of a gigantic sex ring. Searching for the other accomplices, parents formed investigative squads armed with address lists supplied by CII, which is what McFarlane worked at. Uh, They drove their sons and daughters around to find molestation sites like the Devil House, which is like what the kids had just been making shit up and they were trying to find real locations that clearly weren't. As the children pointed their fingers at homes and businesses. Mothers and fathers wrote down addresses and submitted them to the DA's office, which in turn distributed them to more parents. And and they're like, hey, we hear this business might be involved in mass child sex abuse. Has your kid been near it? Like, just, and it's just like, they're just firing a shotgun into a crowd, basically. Like, they're just shattering lives left and right. Like, yeah, right. Like, destroying businesses, destroying teachers, destroying families. It's so bad. A father staked out nearby commuter airports and copied registration numbers off the tails of planes while reporting suspicious characters such as the female pilot who may be a lesbian. Because <laughs> again, oh, wow. what a the kids crime. are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Book them. Yeah. yeah. Well, because again, the kids are talking oh, about man. how they were flown places. So, like, the, some dad shows up uh, to, like, take down all of the, the, pla- the in numbers on planes. Um, yeah. So is the para- the, so is the primarily besides word of mouth <laughs> is this just like grocery store magazine covers is that what it is that's getting this information out to people? No, major news and the and the DA's office. The cops are calling people and being like we hear about this happening in this school or this building. So it's not like, just like tabloid, it's like there's like credible quote unquote credible sources. Yeah. 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 Wow. Like fucking time is reporting on this shit. Most people Jesus. trust time. Like you could yeah. argue Time Magazine, actually, a long history of shitty journalism. <laughs> right. But, like, but, it, the people but don't... But back cons- then, people yeah. did. Sure, right? sure. Yeah. 
It's not like the National Enquirer spreading right, this shit. Right. It's like, and again, like the DA's office. You're supposed to theoretically be able to trust the DA if you're like a random citizen. You would assume that they're not just spreading nonsense. But absolutely. Uh, can that's you take, why you shouldn't you take, assume that. Can you take a? Mm-hmm. Can you take an addy addy break? Yeah, Sophie. You know who doesn't spread nonsense about mass satanic pedophilic conspiracies that shatters the lives of human beings like a cluster bomb? I mean, I'd certainly hope you'd say the 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 products and services that support this show. That's right. Not a one of them. Fantastic. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts what up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, 
this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to continue that quote about just how out of control things get. The paranoia was all-encompassing. One parent, Jackie Magali, who had a two-year-old daughter enrolled at McMartin Preschool for a short time after the investigation started, came to believe that Ray Bucky had molested her child even though the police were watching, watching him closely at this time. She also became suspicious about many other people, including a local newspaper columnist she was dating. When the two broke up, Magali accused him of sexual abuse. Later, she made the same charge against a worker at the Richstone Center, where her daughter went for therapy. Her allegations Allegations never went anywhere, but were lost amid a wash of outlandish claims, including rumors that the mayor's wife was ferrying corpses around in her station wagon. At times, people who spread these stories ended up accusing each other. One couple, for instance, threw a celebratory party for McMartin children and their parents the day the teachers were arrested. Later, there were whisperings that those two were accomplices because, the rumor went, their business was located next to the athletic club where Matthew Johnson and later other children said they had been molested. Yep. You just can't go anywhere at that no, point. Like, no, no, yeah, just any proximity yeah. to anything. You're you're accused. Yeah, because again, everyone's lost their fucking minds at this point. Right? Like, yeah, it's like collective collective yeah. mania, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a sort of collective insanity that's taken uh-huh, hold here. Uh-huh. Yeah. As the trial wore down, Judy Johnson broke down completely. Her husband left her, and she, of course, immediately accused him of being part of a vast satanic pedophile conspiracy. She eventually barricaded herself and her children in her small home with, like, a pile of guns. She threatens her brother with a 12-gauge shotgun when he flies in from out of town to help, and she's eventually taken forcibly to a psychiatric hospital where she's diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Police who searched her home found a cache of guns and ammo, including a rifle under the bed of her cancer-ridden son, who told cops that he would kill them to protect his mom because he's been like they've all been and he like these kids are just finished it's 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 terrible and yeah i mean he dies shortly thereafter because of the untreated brain tumor and so does his mom she dies from massive liver deterioration caused by alcoholism um it's just a terrible just a nightmare of a story all around like again and she's responsible for a lot of this all this starting but also like fuck yeah just a fucking horrible horrible tragedy Everything yeah, about it's yeah. terrible. <laughs> like, ultimately, for me, I'm just thinking, like, what the fuck were the police doing? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they facilitated this yeah, really. Yeah, they absolutely did. Yeah. yeah. But again, they're also not the smartest people tend to join the police force, and they're being told, they're being trained in a lot of cases, that satanic ritual sex conspiracies are a major problem in America and an absolutely real thing. People believed this shit. There's a great video called... um. 
defending yourself against edged weapons, I think. And it's like a police training video that I believe was made in the 80s. And it's actually a pretty good training video if you actually want mm. very practical training on like how dangerous fucking knives are. Right, um, yeah. It's all about like knives are fucking horrifying. <laughs> but there's a scene in it because they like recreate a bunch of scenes where like cops get stabbed. And one of the scenes, they're like busting up a satanic coven. And it's not like a joke. <laughs> like, they, they thought that this was the thing that happened. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's fucking something else. So on November 2nd, 1989, after 28 months of testimony, the McMartin case went to a jury who spent two and a half months deliberating. They acquitted Peggy Bucky on all charges and wound up deadlocked on Ray Bucky. Jury foreperson Louis Chang noted, The interview tapes were too biased, too leading. That's the main crux of it. Another juror told reporters, whether I believe he did it or whether it and whether it was proven are very different. Uh, Judge Pounders offered his own appraisal of the verdict. I was not surprised by the verdicts. I would not have been surprised at any decision the jury made. The judge basically being like, everything, like, who the fuck knows? Like, everything right, is so right. out of control at this point. Yeah, like, yeah. nothing could surprise me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of like he says some stuff to that effect of like, I'm just glad like to not be involved in this shit anymore. Like, this is all (laughs) I'm I'm fucking out. (laughs) So this, of course, outraged child protection groups and parents across the country. 500 people, including dozens of McMartin parents, marched through the streets of Manhattan Beach with signs that said, we believe the children. Mm, Good stuff. Well, yep. (laughs) (laughs) But then they like write all of their children's testimonies anyway. Yeah. yeah. One TV poll at the time uh, noted that 87% of respondents thought the Buckies were guilty. In the end, no one was wow. convicted of any crimes at the McMartin preschool. But Ray Bucky still, you know, spent five years. In car- like, these people's lives are just shattered. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a fucking. I mean, a woman got stabbed in the cross. Yeah, like, like it's fuck. so fucking fucked so up. So bad. It's so yeah. bad. Yeah. And like the the super fun thing, Jake, you're going to love this part. The super fun thing about the satanic panic is that the complete lack of evidence and the acquittal of all of the charged people and what became the nation's longest and most expensive court case did nothing to quell the public witch hunts. And again, they spent $15 million on this case and can't find a goddamn thing. While the McMartin trial was going on, Kern County, which we talked about at the end of fir- the first episode, right? That first case, it mm. erupts again into a series of allegations of mass child rape networks. The cases never go anywhere and they're all hampered by the fact that all of the cops, lawyers, and judges involved in every given case Im- like inevitably get to cry to secret satanic child molesters themselves. Like they get added into <laughs> right. conspiracies, which like really fucks up the trials. Yeah. Like now the judge yeah. is being accused. It's like, okay. like they just the community loses his goddamn mind. <laughs> Hundreds of innocent people in the ensuing panic get charged all over the country. Many of them did time in jail, some fucking decades. Families are torn the fuck apart. One example of this would be the case of Carol Felstead. And I'm going to quote now from a write-up on her case in the conversation. In 1985, she went to her doctor complaining of headaches. Rather than being given any kind of useful medication, she was sent to therapy, which included hypnosis to recover memories of ritual sex abuse. Uh, She was uh, given psychotherapy and like, yeah, she basically went through repressed memory therapy. And she started to believe that her parents had been the leaders of a satanic cult and that her mother had murdered another of their children and that Carol had sat on top of the body and then set fire to the family home. And like none of this was true. What actually had happened is that like they had the family had another daughter who was ill from birth and died in the hospital um, from a defective heart before Carol was born. But obviously her parents talked about it when she was a little baby, and like those I, like that got into her head. And then wait, so, so she had a repressed a quote unquote repressed memory of someone she'd never met. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's fucking, uh, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Carol yeah. falsely claimed to have given birth to six babies who were meant to be conceived and ritually sacrificed by the satanic cult. Her medical records showed that he, she'd never been pregnant. But she oh. believes all this, all these memories that this therapist shoves into her head. She believes. She cuts off contact with her family, changes her name, and never, ever, ever like forgives or comes back to her family. She dies in 2005 in like very strange circumstances. It's just a terrible case. And like by all accounts before going to therapy, she was fine. She was doing great. Right. She was a, an intelligent young woman like, with a whole life ahead of her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like this, this therapist just destroys her <laughs> and her family. Yeah. It's and so that happens. sad. Like the whole yeah. thing is so sad. It's tremendously fucked. Like the actual number of casualties of this we'll never know. It's probably thousands. Thousands probably, and thousands probably, of people. Yeah, easily. Extending as well. Like It's so bad. In 1985, 60 Minutes aired a one-hour special on the connection between Dungeons and da- Dragons, Satanic Rites, and Suicide. In 1987, two batshit Christian activists published The Catechism of the New Age, an unhinged pamphlet that argued, among other things, that D&D was evil because it encouraged critical thinking in children, which inevitably led to heresy of the devil. <laughs> Critical thinking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the kids have that. And of course, heavy metal music gets demonized in this period oh, too, right? Christ. And yeah. obviously being good marketers, a lot of heavy metal musicians lean into this and like specifically right, yeah. start like doing devil stuff in their songs. And the, their teenage countercultural fans do this as well. And this sometimes ends in tragedy because a lot of these kids, they're just doing it to be like, fuck the man. Like the, the yeah, Satanism. Edgy, like, edgy. Yeah, exactly. But also it makes them suspects in murders, which is what happened oh. in the 1993 case of the West Memphis Three. Have you ever heard of this case? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Big deal. Yeah, Real bad. Bad, bad situation. Yeah. 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 On May 5th of that year, eight-year-old Christopher Byers went missing with two of his friends. The boys were found murdered shortly thereafter, hogtied with their own shoelaces. One appeared to have his genitals cut off. Um, it, I mean, like, obviously, a, this is an actual horrific crime that was committed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and it was immediately put down to satanic ritual activity. Three teenagers were quickly accused of the crime based largely on the strength of the fact that they'd been arrested for vandalism and liked heavy metal. And the whole case was a complete shit show. So for one mm. thing, the police department that is investigating this case is not just wildly incompetent. It was actively being investigated for stealing drugs from another police department. Really? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, the West Memphis police are not a good department. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, but just stealing yeah. them from dealers, from other police. <laughs> from other cops, <laughs> like, yeah. How bad does it get, man? So Jesus. the cops never secured the crime scene, um, did not properly investigate the crime scene, and the coroner was incompetent because he believed and reported that the kid's general genitals had been cut off as part of like a ritual. And the reality is that like he was, it was a decomposing body that got eaten by animals, right? Um, mm. and a competent later competent coroners were like this is clearly was done what happened to the body after death so the police in order to find the cul- culprits rather than investigating because again terrible police department they go to a local juvenile psychiatrist and ask like hey what kids do you think did this <laughs> <And> <laughs> Right. Okay. And the the <laughs> find psychi- us a victim. Uh, find us a yeah. 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 Who 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 do we arrest for this? Like we we are so tired from stealing all these drugs from the cops <laughs> next door. Like we we really don't have any time to look into this shit. Right. <laughs> Can you do our jobs, please? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the psychiatrist blames a kid named Damien Eccles. Now Eccles was eighteen at the time, and he yeah he's the kind of kid. Unfortunate name. Yeah. Damien. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It is a real. It's it's a problem. Devil name. Yeah. 
And again, it, his town is like a f- hardcore religious fundamentalist. It's fucking West Memphis in the 80s. Uh, and he wore all black and listened to heavy metal music. He read Stephen King books. He was interested in the occult, so he had like books on the occult and shit in his house and he had mental health issues he'd spent time in a mental institution which is why the psychiatrist knew this kid was out here and the psychiatrist doing exactly what psychiatrists should never do blames him for the crime and soon so do the police yeah they they wind up wrapping up a friend of Eccles in it uh jason baldwin who was 16 and was like a good student who had no history of trouble um he but was also a fan of like heavy metal like they and they drew scenes from like Metallica and Slayer and Iron Iron Maiden songs and like teachers found them and so like oh these kids are like it's the devil yeah and they'd both been arrested for vandalism and shoplifting but like nothing violent like never a, right. a, an actual crime just petty yeah. teenage yeah shit. they're fucking teenagers yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's real bad and basically in order to convict these kids the West Memphis police found a mentally disabled 17 year old with an IQ of 72 who knew both kids and they bribe his poor family with like lies about reward money that if he like well like and like they're talking to him about like oh yeah once you get these kids convicted you'll be able to buy a truck and stuff like that like it's unbelievably fucked up yeah yeah, and so they question this. The family agrees to let them question this mentally ill kid who has no tie to this, and the police question him for 12 hours with no parent, no lawyer, no child advocate with him, and he confesses eventually that he, Eccles, and Baldwin killed the kids, even though his co- like is a clearly coerced confession that's frequently wrong and includes facts that weren't part of like the physical evidence, and he immediately recants, but it doesn't fucking matter um, mm. because all three of these kids get fucking convicted. And it's it's I mean, like now law enforcement's pretty certain that it they were like those kids who were murdered were killed by a single person, probably an adult. Um, but yeah, it's, 12 hours. Yeah, I remember once reading something that really made me think, yeah, someone said uh, like deep, long in, uh, interrogations like that without break. Yeah. It's like being waterboarded with dialogue. It is. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And it's yeah. like I remember thinking that's such a good way of putting it. it Water dialogue. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a nightmare. So Damien Eccles gets sentenced to death. Uh, Jesse Miss Kelly gets sentenced to life imprisonment plus two 20-year sentences. And Jason Baldwin uh, gets sentenced to life imprisonment. Um, and yeah, the... The prosecution basically claims like this is part of a devil ritual that the kids were doing. Like that's part of the case. Um, And obviously like there was never any hard physical evidence. And in fact, in 2007, new evidence comes out that finds like genetic material of someone who's not any of the three victims around the bodies of the victims and was not any of the defendants either, Um, which, you know, anyway, the case they peel and shit and like the case winds up it takes until again this happens in 1993 it's not until 2010 that the people in the case are able to negotiate a plea bargain like they don't even get declared innocent like which you would think instead they have to enter an alford plea in which they assert their Mm -hmm. innocence but also acknowledge that the prosecutors had enough evidence to convict them and they get sentenced to time served both having served like 18 years um or all having so yeah it's it's outright that's a lifetime you know yeah yeah yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. It's a horrible, horrible story, Jake. The thing is as well, yeah, like this sounds dumb, but I was just thinking like now, if a real satanic group came out, mm-hmm. they could just be like, no one's going to believe that we did this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, know what I no. mean? Like after, after the satanic panic, they'd be like, it's fine, yeah. we'll get away with it. <laughs> well, that, saying that, it would, it would probably create a new satanic panic. Yeah, I mean, all right, listen up, devil worshippers. You've got you've got a window here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't say that. <laughs> Jake Hanrahan says... start committing crimes now jake this has all been a real bummer just uh 
not a great time. Um, Mm -mm. And I want to end on something that is at least kind of funny. So one of the major spreaders of the satanic panic, one of like the people who was responsible nationwide for getting a lot of this nonsense out, was friend of the pod, Oprah Winfrey, um, who, (laughs) boy howdy, had a lot of people on to say, to tell lurid lies about the things they'd supposedly done. But during one of these times, she actually had a member of the Church of Satan on her show. And a guy in the audience started claiming that he had been a Satanist and had, like, murdered somebody as part of a satanic ritual. And you actually, this guy got cross-examined by the Satanist that Oprah had on stage. And it's fucking great. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. send you that video now. We're going to end on that note because it's actually kind see. of funny. It's very, very funny. So what happened in the, in the, in the ritual where someone was, was murdered? And how were they murdered? Uh, they were stabbed seven times with, with knives because... In, the, in, in Chicago? It was, um... What year? About eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So it was about 80, 81. Mm-hmm. And the ritual was a witch's Sabbath. And okay. it, it got out of hand. And the high priest brought out these seven daggers. And they nailed him in the, in the form of a cross with the seven daggers. Um... Was this person impaled against his or her will? Yes. Or did they want, wish to be sacrificed? No, this was against his will. Mm-hmm. Um, but so how did you know you, were, you weren't going to be pulled in and impaled? That's, why I got, that's one of the reasons why I got out of the church. And the other reason why I got out of the church was <laughs> I, mentally I had a nervous breakdown after that, mm-hmm. and I just mentally could not handle it. How do you explain that? My first question would be, were you a member of the Church of Satan, a card-carrying member of the Church of Satan? Yes, sir. And uh, who was the grotto leader? I don't remember his name. You don't remember the name of a person who involved you in murder? Not anymore, no. Were you Um, prosecuted? Like I said, I I had, had a nervous breakdown, and I have partial amnesia. Man, that is excellent. Yeah, and then great. Oprah that... gave him a car to say all yeah. that. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it that I the mean... guy that is cross-examining him looks yeah. like Dracula. <laughs> he absolutely like, looks like Dracula. You know, and he's like, no, this yeah. is stupid. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? and he's he's very like methodical and lawyerly about how he cuts that guy's right. like claims apart. It's it, it fucking exactly. is great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Jake, how do you feel about the devil? Um, I don't know. I need a shower now. I think like a long one. You know, what I mean, after all that, <laughs> it's pretty grim. Um, yeah, it's not. But great. again, yeah. like it's it, it. Like I said before, like the occult, all of that is like very interesting, and there are some like oh, yeah. groups around. But sure. again, this stuff just makes it all look stupid, and God yeah. knows how many horrible crimes slip through the cracks. You know what I mean? Or maybe will, or I don't know. It just it's just so outrageous that that kind of hysteria took over through the police as well. It's not outrageous, but you know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. another thing of just like, wow, great job, guys. You can find, there are some cases of like ritual murders. Like we talked Tiny, about some start very of this. Like, few. Very yeah. few. It is a thing that yeah. has happened in history in this yeah, country yeah. and in other countries. Like it's not a thing that never occurs, but mm. it's not what they claimed it was, right? There's no gigantic right. international network of Satanists murdering children yeah, yeah. for devil powers. Yeah, and it, often the occult stuff is actually nothing to do with the devil, actually. Yes. There's very yeah. few actual Satan worshippers, yeah. you know what I mean? 
Yeah, and most Satanists aren't Satan worshippers because it usually means something completely different to them than like it's the, the yeah, yeah. Them, right? Yeah. Or yeah, I mean, there's are yeah, there's there's a bunch of different like I don't want to like I, I've I've known sure. some Satanists who like spoke pretty eloquently about like why they called themselves that, and it wasn't like a worship the devil thing. It was like yeah, but yeah, yeah, I, it's, it's like it's, some it's abstract thing. metaphor yeah. often or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, fine. Man, I mean, it's. it's it's yeah. I think the best thing about all this, like like you know, when you were talking about us thinking, man, I don't want to hear this. And that made me think like, yeah, that's really why you should have to hear mm-hmm. this. Do you know what I mean? It's such yeah. a, a demonstration of mass hysteria and not even failure, but like almost like the authorities are trying to make it worse. It was so bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the idea that yeah. you think that won't happen again, like, oh, it happened. Oh, that can happen yeah. anytime. It'll happen anytime. Like, there's always shades of this every time. Like, there's shades of this in sort of the panic that was erupting over Antifa earlier. There's going to be shades of it in the Boogaloo stuff. There's going to be shades of it in, I mean, QAnon is not just shades of it. QAnon's a descendant (laughs) of it. But, like, yeah. Several shades of shit, yeah. Yeah. It it never, like, it's the kind of thing, there's a bunch of things if you're a responsible member of society or a responsible society, you always have to be on guard for. Fascism's one of them. You know, mm. witch hunts are another. <laughs> like, That's what it is, yeah. right? It's yeah. a modern day witch hunt, actually. Yeah, yeah, like almost. I mean, hunt. this was a literal witch hunt. They were looking yeah, for yeah. witches. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I'm. I never knew how bad yeah. it got. You know, unreal how many people. Like you're talking about probably somewhere around a thousand people harmed one way or the other by just the McMahon right. case, right? right. Like four, almost 400 kids, but like also like all these business people, family members. It's just a nightmare. God knows what what problems those kids have in their yeah. lives now as well as Jesus. Part of that kind of abuse by the authorities. Imagine. Yeah, if you're a if you were a McMartin kid who like went through all this, like hit it hit us up. I'm really curious about like right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Jake, you want to plug things? Yeah, man, definitely. Um, people should definitely listen to the new one. Uh, Q clearance, basically trying to trying to bring everyone together to kind of put the story of queuing on together but at the same time kind of be like you know by the end I want to be like this is absolutely who we think it is and here's why you know what I'm saying um, and yeah also Popular Front you know my platform independent journalism just search Popular Front yeah and you'll find it all yeah check it out check out Jake's new podcast check out Jake's old podcast find Jake on the street no don't do that <laughs> podcast we're done I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. 
And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich man Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts <laughs> 